And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 618. Got a special guest on the show today. I had the pleasure of meeting this individual at First Pitch Arizona. He is the man, I call him the man, the myth, the legend, behind PLV. I know there is another face that likes to put his name out there with pitcher list and everything, but you know, we'll talk about him some other time. <laughs> but this, this, is a, this is a great guy. I, I, like I said, I had the pleasure of meeting him. He is a very, very, very smart individual. Got to see his presentation at First Pitch Arizona just and talk to him at the bar and everything. Great time. You can find him on Twitter at Blandalytics. Kyle Bland, how are we doing, my friend? Hey, Bubba. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, had such a blast at First Pitch Arizona. It was so awesome meeting you in person, getting a chance to chat with you and everybody else and talk shop. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get to, to talk with you all some more. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's great. Like I, I remember like the first introduction I think I kind of got to you was uh, PitchCon last year. You had your, yeah. your, your own hour panel. And that was very, very interesting. That's when PLV just kind of came out and it was new. I remember I had, I had Nick on my show in March. I was going back and looking at old pods. It was like March 9th or something, which is crazy. We're almost, it's like nine months ago. Um, and what you guys have, are you and I guess the team, because you do most of it, but you probably have helpers along the way. Um, what you guys have done with PLV just since then is pretty remarkable. Uh, but we're going to talk like the projections just dropped for 2024. We'll talk about those in a bit. But for those that might not be, accustomed to plv and what you got going on explain to people what you you do at, at pitcher list because you're a full-time pitcher list employee so what are you doing over there yeah so i'm their director of research and data analysis so i'm basically helping put numbers to everything that nick and any of our writers kind of want to see i help put out some uh, data visualizations too i know uh scott chu is uh just unfortunately super addicted to rolling charts so i feed that addiction for him a lot um <clears throat> but yeah that's my role at, P at uh, picture list yeah i it's it's crazy the the plv was last year it's my daughter was born three days before that talk and that so man. now i can yeah. like measure plv time increments and in like how old my daughter is so it's like now she's coming up on a year and it's like oh projections are out like she's almost walking and so now i can like sync up my two babies basically <laughs> that's hilarious that's right i remember that uh they almost thought you weren't going to be able to make it which would have been totally understandable like yeah, it, was, your, your wife just had a child so my, totally my wife was killer she's the best she's super supportive but i was like i have my laptop i was like scoping out like in the lobby of the hospital like if there was a good spot with like solid wi-fi but no that was such a cool experience and yeah i had a blast at that talk but yeah just kind of that's how that's why i was brought into pitcherless initially and then coming into now this off season really fleshing my role out of we're redesigning a lot of our player pages to be um you know i think they're great i think they're like one of the top ones especially like our game log views but just taking a little bit more thought into how things are organized, what stats uh, are important, what may be like kind of just double counting things and, and just taking kind of a fine tooth comb to those. And then as well as, yeah, developing other stats, furthering kind of our POV development, folding that into a lot more things. Of course, the projections that we just put out for our PO Pro subscribers. Um, and then those will get folded into things like our auction draft calculator, our uh, daily products, those are going to be taking into account the POV projections. So a lot of cool, awesome stuff coming on at PitcherList. And Nick wanted to bring me on to kind of help facilitate that in a way that was kind of easiest for everybody that allows me just kind of unfettered work on baseball and stats and things like that and allows him to just 
fire off random questions, you know, at 1am, like he'll do sometimes just be like, Hey, I thought about this. And then I get to work on it the next day. So it's a really good, uh, like rapport that we've got going on. It's great to be more open to the staff and writers to facilitate like their ideas. Cause my favorite thing is that like, I don't I like, I like, it's nice to be called the smart guy. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know if I believe it, but it is just like <clears throat> working with all of these people who like, think and live baseball and like i mean i watch the games but they watch the games and so it's like they'll come to me with questions and then i don't have to like come up with a question i just get to help answer it in a way that's backed by you know results the data that we have so it's really fun for me to help kind of help everyone answer their own baseball questions and then like help them like complete baseball thoughts that's kind of how i think of my role and that's a great role to have. It's a role that's necessary for yeah. most companies because uh, it's funny the way you said that. I was thinking about uh, mentioning it before you, you broke it down. But like, like I, I record twice a week with Ryan Bloomfield. We talk every day to me in text and stuff. And I always joke about like, man, I have all these ideas, but I just need someone that can like put it on the computer for me so I can like utilize it. Stuff like you're saying. <laughs> and then like for those that obviously somehow don't know, like I got to see behind the curtains for pitcher list this year. Cause I was doing the first pitch podcast. So now mm -hmm. I was kind of seeing a few things and it was funny at F pass. You guys had your F pass chat on the discord and literally guys would fire things off to you and you'd start just like updating things in the apps and doing things because it was like exactly what you just said is, you know, Scott Chu would go, Hey, how about this stat here? Or some guy would say, Hey, how about this pitching thing here? Like all of a sudden you were just like, boom, boom, boom. Give me like, give me like four hours. I'll take care of it guys. And like it was, <laughs> it was done. And that's a, that's an amazing thing. Kind of watching the whole system work together. Like you said, getting the ideas from the guys that maybe, you know, all they do is eat, breathe and sleep baseball. And then you have the 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 brains and the, the wherewithal to put it together quickly for them to be utilized. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing to have. Like, it really is. So. And uh, I got to give credit to to our our database and our WordPress team who like they take all of you know my programs which are you know in various states of readability when I give them the code and then they put that in a way that makes sense so that we can have PLV on our, on our site that we can present it in a bunch of different ways. And there are going to be a lot more PLV stats that are going to be on picture list going into next year. And so a lot of credit to them. And then yeah, to our WordPress team for, you know, making the site so awesome. We just had like a really big update that has made the site so much faster to use and like all credit to them. Like having a site that has the information readily available and quickly, available is it's such a, a godsend it's so nice to have and it's so nice like for me like when i'm working on stuff that i'll double check on our pages just to make sure and so you know i i am just like one little piece in the middle of it i like i i do my role well i think but it is just like i can't do it without yeah those like the baseball guys at the very start and then also like the people who can then implement my work into the site that like it takes it really does take like the whole village of picture list to make like all these fun cool toys and articles work yeah and, that, and that's the reason i want to have you on because like the plv aspect of your work is is very interesting to me like i said i had nick on in march kind of around the time this all got really going and it was very very intriguing to me it was still very raw like raw to the us like you guys have probably been playing with it for a while and like i said projections and other things you've been tinkering with for a little while before it came out but it was very raw and a lot has probably changed and developed we've learned things about it throughout the last nine months or so um and it, it makes it very interesting to me so let's just start at the basics here 
for anybody that maybe doesn't know about PLV, give us like I guess the cliff notes or the easier version, not the uh, hour long presentation at at uh, PitchCon version. Like, what is PLV? Yeah, I mean, like the super the five second one is how good is that pitch? Like that was the idea that that you know that I feel like in so many ways a lot of different people are trying to answer. And it seems very simple on the surface and very obvious, but then how you answer it is very, there are a lot of things that you can factor in and adjust for and all this and that. But yeah, at the, at the base level, we're just trying to determine how good that pitch was on a, on something that we can do at scale that is repeatable. So like there are a lot of, you know, I, I watch the Nick's streams in the morning going through all these pitches and he takes into account a lot of different things. And I glean, I've, like talking to him, talking to some other people within baseball, I glean like ideas of like, okay, what are, you know, metrics that are relevant? And that'll be things like, of course, like your velo, your movement profile, the location of the pitch, that kind of stuff. And then fold that into, okay, how does that affect results? So basically we're just taking these inputs basically more or less out of the pitcher's hand. Um, and then trying to estimate what's going to happen on that pitch. And so that's, that's the high level view. And if the outcomes are good, like if you, if it's going to have a lot of swinging strikes, a lot of ground balls, that kind of thing, like that'll be a good pitch. And then if it's, you know, a ball, an obvious ball or a hit by pitch or something that's like groove down the middle, that's going to be hit for extra bases, you know, that's going to be a bad pitch. And then from there, we kind of fold on different things, like how it affects the counts, that kind of thing. But yeah, super high level. How good was that pitch? Yeah, I love that. Just how good is that pitch? That, that's fun. And, and I just want to clarify because we're going to get to a point on like a couple spots down the outline here yeah. that I always find very entertaining to anybody that talks PLV because the way you're explaining it now, it's a pitch thing. It sounds like it's developed for pitchers. And we'll get to the other part I'm joking at, which you know where I'm going with this. But um, what, what I guess what made you guys go to PLV and how would you use it to maybe analyze pitchers initially. That's, like you said, that was kind of the idea out the gate. It's pitcher mm-hmm. list. We're looking at pitchers. Um, how do you utilize the PLV for pitchers and say a fantasy angle of things? Yeah. So uh, one of the things that PLV it works as it's analogous to um, like the, the people kind of that came before us and that it's kind of an idea that's similar to it is like Eno Saris's pitching plus and then uh, pitching bot has their like overall grade. And so those are kind of like three different sides of the same coin, which is an analogy that doesn't really make sense, but it's all kind of the same thing of everyone's just trying to estimate like the quality of that pitch. And we all do it in different ways, but that's essentially what we're trying to do. And so one of the things that you can use that for is, especially for PLV, since it's holistic, it's everything, it's where the pitch is located, it's the stuff of the pitch, it's the count, it includes all of that. And one of the things that before it gets to the PLV number, I actually have like a run estimator. So like, you know, based on how likely the various outcomes are and how valuable those outcomes are, I can say like, okay, that pitch was worth, you know, a quarter of a run, you know, for the batter, for the pitcher, whatever. And then what you can do for especially like a very like one-to-one fantasy thing is that's what our PLA metric is right now is like the pitch level average. That's an ERA analog. So basically I'm taking 
all of the predicted run values from all of the pitches thrown and then dividing it by the innings. So it's kind of, it's the same thing of you're doing your runs per nine innings, but it's observed runs is your ERA and then predicted runs is your PLA. And so what that'll do is that'll kind of chisel away a lot of that noise. Like a lot of those like flukier outcomes will kind of get dialed down to the mean a little bit, kind of similar to something like a, a FIP or then XFIP or XERA, Sierra, that kind of thing, where you're trying to control uh, a little bit, bring, bring back those very noisy outcomes. But what this does is it does it for every pitch. And so things like XERA, FIP, those kind of things, those are event level. So they know when a strikeout happens, when a walk happens, or a batted ball. And XERA, it's the XWOBA on the batted ball. XFIP is just the expected home run rate. And so what PLA does is it takes in every pitch of like, yeah, he threw a really good slider that was a 2-1 pitch and that got it to 2-2. And like that has a benefit. Like that increases his odds of getting an out. That increases his odds of getting to that inning. And so PLA folds in every pitch thrown. So it's much uh, it's much less noisy, much more stable than some of those other metrics can be. Because even though they they take out a lot of like the really out there uh, results, they still are relying on not every pitch. It's just pitches that end that plate appearance. And so that's kind of a that's a big like one to one easy fantasy comparison is I'll look at that and be like, okay, here's what his ERA is. Here's what his PLA is. How do those relate? Like, is he overperforming, underperforming at expectations? And then that'll also kind of help set me up for like buy lows, sell highs, that kind of thing. How I like value that level. Um, and then for your other fantasy relevant pitching stats, your your strikeouts, your wins, quality starts, saves, and then whip. Um, whip is also kind of an analog to just what his overall PLV is. If someone has a good PLV, generally they're not going to be allowing as many hits or walks. And so if you see something where a guy's whip is, you know, he's got like a one, two whip, but his PLV is over five. So above average, you know, and especially as it gets even higher than that, well, he's probably been unlucky with some of his outcomes, and I'd expect that to regress back down a little bit. Um, and then strikeouts is a tough one, just because as as it is right now, PLV is across all pitches, and it's there is some con comparison, but like that's not what we we're trying to do is to measure the strikeout rates. Um, one of the things that is part of these projections is applying the PLV process and making a strikeout estimator out of it. And so that's one of the things that you're getting is I'm taking kind of our underlying probabilities, your swinging strike rates, your called strike rates, and then generated from our model and then using that to then estimate like, okay, I think his strikeout rate would be this. And so then you, you'll be able to see like, okay, that doesn't quite line up with what we're seeing maybe, or maybe he's getting, you know, lucky. Maybe guys are swinging out of their shoes for some reason, or maybe he's getting some, some hard luck, uh, no calls, you know, he's, he's painting that corner, but not getting the call from the umpire, that kind of stuff. So we're, that's something like strikeouts is something we're working on. And then your like uh, game result stats. So your wins, your quality starts, your saves, your holds, those are generally better PLV. That's going to be more likely. 
um, kind of thing. Cause that's a better pitcher and better pitchers will get wins. Better pitchers will get saves holds. Uh, I know I talked to Rick Graham, our great reliever guru. He does the closer reports and all that kind of stuff. And he had a killer, uh, panel at first pitch about holds options and him and I got talking about one of the things that PLV does because it also estimates batted balls is it gives value to your Brewstar Gratterals, your guys who generate a lot of ground balls and that are that those are useful for outs and so it'll kind of show those guys who don't really pop in your your strikeout rates that kind of thing but who have an ability to suppress runs which at the end of the day is what you want from all your pitchers but especially like your back end relievers and so that that helped me target like a guy guys like jason foley like i said bruce star that those were guys especially in like a save holds league where you know there are a lot of good pitchers but trying to figure out you know who's useful versus just uh, good is kind of a, a tricky art that that helped me pick up some guys who maybe don't have the hype because they don't have those sexy K rates, but are still going to be useful and get you through those innings. So yeah, that's, that's kind of it. ERA, we have a PLA one-to-one estimator, um, whip, higher PLV, generally a lower whip and vice versa. Game level stats, again, higher PLV, you're likelier to get a wins, whatever. And then from there, like all internalized, like team context of like, you know, if the, oh, this guy's got a great PLV, but he's on the A's, like, yeah, we still probably not going to get wins. So that's like, a lot of this is I'm giving foundation of like, here's like where we think his skill level is. And then you have to fold in like, okay, how's his team? Or especially for PLV, like this doesn't include, uh, the PLV number itself doesn't include defense or park. And so you're like, oh, okay, you know, Zach Wheeler's got a killer PLV, but the Phillies defense is atrocious. Like that's going to factor into it. Or like, you know, I bought in big Hunter Green was one of the darlings of PLV last year. And I bought in big on him. And it's just like, I like kind of got bitten a little bit because it is like, yeah, he plays in Great America Ballpark. So like he's going to get tagged for those dingers that a lot of places wouldn't happen. So it's a good starting point. And then you just need to fold in, especially once you get to those like higher level stats, you fold in kind of context uh, on your own that I'm going to do a lot of thinking for you, but I'm not going to do all of the thinking for you. That's like any good tool slash projection system. Like you got to, eventually you have to kind of, we always joke about or talk about not using your biases and analyzing players and stuff because numbers talk, but there, there is a point where you have to at least, I don't know if it's a bias, you release common sense, look at things. And like you said, the ballparks, and there's a lot of factors involved in it. Um, I have a, a few questions off of things you said there that yeah. were very, very enticing to me. So the PLA thing, uh, ERA kind of indicator, like your, your XERAs, your XFIPs, all those kind of things. How have you seen that rate out compared to the others in baseball and basically the closest thing to being accurate? Like they're all very, very good. But I think I think you know what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, you're like, you know, a certain stats are better than others how's your pla rate out in that regard so pla rates really well especially making these projections it was um the highest weight for the process i was using for projecting like next season like it's very good kind of season to season because it's more of an indicator of true talent level and it has a much larger sample size like i was saying because it's every pitch versus just played appearances so it it's to me and this is kind of what it it was designed to be more a measure of talent and skill than 
necessarily like it wasn't specifically chosen to be a run estimator, but it does that well. Like it, it is also good at that. And so I've found, especially projecting of like, you can kind of see like, did a guy maybe get lucky or unlucky? Um, and then in season, the sample size is about 500 pitches for PLV and PLA to stabilize. So that'll be about six starts if you're at about like 80-ish pitches a start. Um, so that's your general starter or if you have like a workhorse maybe that'll be done in five if they're going about 100 at a start um and so at about that point then it starts to perform um pretty well at predicting rest of season success it's i mean it's not going to be you know bang on especially that early in the season but that it's it's comparable with your your xfips your sierras your xeras um and that's the in-season one's always tough just because noise happens and like you need to measure those results and like i like it's always i see uh dan zimborski the, the leader of zips he does like his talk he does fires his tweets off about you know when do you use when are real like results more predictive than kind of these estimators we have and so it is just like there is a window where pla is really good because it stabilizes quickly and then you get into your like batted ball level stats, like your XERAs, your XFIPS, your Sierras, that those like later in the season are about as good. And then at the end of season, then you're getting into like your FIPS and even your actual ERAs are better projecting like that last month of the season kind of thing. So it's like, it's a spectrum, but I found it most useful going year to year just because that's usually having an idea of what a pitcher's talent is, is more helpful than seeing what their results are, especially for something as noisy as run scoring. All right. So we'll obviously, we're going to talk about the 2024 projections here and there. So we'll give out some of the behind the curtain stuff as we talk, but just out of curiosity, since we're on the PLA subject, like Corbin Burns last year, I pulled up his page real quick. His PLA was 3.88. Obviously his ERA was well over four, but 3.88 ERA projections for 2024. You guys have them at 3.85. Is that kind of what led to that potentially, or is that, um, like you said, it's a bit, maybe a better indicator for next year? So the three eight eight PLA made the three eight five more of a feasible situation type thing. Or am I overthinking all of this? No, you're totally you, you got it spot on, and that's I mean the the process and it's stat dependent too. So like your kind of ground level stats, like a swinging strike rate, have a different kind of weighting between results and like what our PLV stats are. And then kind of as you go up the stack, like then your strikeout rates are dependent on that. And then your ERA is probably dependent on your strikeout rate. And so, you know, all that stuff kind of gets folded into it. But PLA is definitely like a component that it is. It's not necessarily like the foundation, like the starting yeah. point, but it is like one of the like major ingredients that does go into that ERA projection that we're folding in. Of course, their PLA, I've, uh, take their last three year results. So his last ERAs, his ERAs over the last three years scaled to 2023's ERA, like league run rate basically. And then kind of uh, regress them a little bit because you know they can be noisy, especially for pitchers with fewer innings pitched. So we have your like regressed three year average, we have your PLA, so your like PLV generated stat. And then I also take into account like other publicly available X stats. So your Sierras, your XFIPs, your XCRAs, and then weigh all of those out based on what is most helpful in predicting next season's value. 
um, PLA comes out as about, uh, I think it was like 40% weight, which was the highest one there, which is, makes me happy. Definitely. definitely. Um, but it is just like, yeah, that that's kind of the biggest component of, yeah. of many, but it's the biggest component. And so that's kind of where, especially for guys with a big enough sample size, that's where kind of things are going to be tethered to a little bit that it's not going to sway as much from that PLA value. But that's kind of the point of what I was saying of like PLA is most useful going season to season because it tells you a little bit more what a guy, who a guy is rather than what happened to him. No, I like that a lot. That's why I was, that's why I was curious about it because it makes a lot of sense. Uh, like just even for someone just wants to like, you know, people go to Fangrass pages, people should be going more often to Pitcherless pages. That's been talked about a lot more lately. So like my point was if you see that stat, guys, you might you're not gonna have the exact numbers, but at least you like points you to things if you're doing research for 2024. Yep. Um, I wanted to mention the PLV also. You mentioned because uh, you said that's more of a game level statistics, which is interesting because that you know when I first heard PLV, I thought that was like the the thing, and then obviously you got the PLA. I talked to Chew about a lot of these decision metrics and stuff that all go into things, and it's for the hitting side. But you, you, you mentioned PLV, and you mentioned like the relievers part's very interesting because that's an ever evolving door and becoming more and more important in baseball these days, uh, fantasy baseball these days. So that's interesting. You mentioned how long it takes for PLA to get kind of quote unquote established. Mm -hmm. Is PLV similar or is that different? Because we're looking at, like, we're still looking at pitch by pitch, obviously. Yeah. So you're kind of, I guess, looking at a different piece of the puzzle. So that's about the same. So it's basically yeah. like, uh, 500 pitches is about when it starts to stabilize to be representative of what the rest of the season will be. Um, and so that's true for both. That's the PLV. So the individual pitch level, and then for our PLA run estimator, it's going to be true of that. Cause basically all that is, is taking our PLV and putting it on an ERA scale. Like that's kind of the way to think about it. Um, that sure. they're the same stat. One is just taking into account their innings pitched to make it an ERA level stat. And the other is just grading at the pitch level. All right. Um, and then PLV, if I remember correctly, it's like at a, it's a zero to 10 scale. I know Nick was talking about altering that potentially. Yeah. Um, and, and it's always interesting to me because, you know, you think, again, I always talk about, uh, or I had Tanner Bybee, I was actually writing about him the other night. Mm -hmm. His PLV was like 4.98. So mm -hmm. on in the back of your mind, again, okay, leave at league average, give or take, yep. but he feels better than that. So explain to me, like when we're looking at a player that we know, like he had a sub three ERA, things were really good. Obviously could have overachieved, not saying he didn't, mm -hmm. but when we're looking at like a, a, a Tanner Bybee, for instance, that on paper, uh, people might think are better is getting drafted better than an average pitcher, but we see a PLV close to league average. How do we kind of an analyze that? Yeah. So, yeah, so you're right. I'll jump back to the scale. So yeah, zero to ten, five's league average, like you were saying. So like a Bybee who's four point nine eight, it's right about league average. Um, God, I, I should have looked this up, but like off the top of my head, that's like an ERA in the the low fours. I, I think based I, on I, what I an average pretty, ERA was last year. Is he? Yeah, because his ERA is sub three. So yeah, he. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I'm generally not going to be like, I'm going to predict some heavy regression for anybody who's sub three, you know, that's very even <laughs> unless you're Ed Diaz or DeGrom, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, even for him, I mean, he's always been a solid pitcher, like mentally kind of, this is how I process him. Um, and then, let me see. I can actually pull up some of the apps and just see like, so I can do, cause I do this all the time. Like I love talking about guys, 
But that's one of the benefits of making your own model is now I've put how I think out there. And so I can just now go and refer to it. I don't have to like try and remember it or write it down <laughs> somewhere that it's all just like, oh, let me just basically Google how I think about a picture. Um, but yeah, so yeah, he's bang average. I think he's got a slightly below average fastball. Fine. He's got a slider that's a little bit it's a solid slider, which is going to be a very useful pitch. Sliders are generally valuable, especially compared to other pitch types. He's got a good change. So I think the thing to me is he's got, he's got a decent pitch mix. And, a, and that's one of the things too. I talked to Eno a little bit and Nick about this at first pitch. One of the things that's not going into the model right now is number of pitches. And so the point of the model was basically to take every pitch in isolation more or less and basically be like how good was that individual pitch gotcha. and trying to take out as much like external context as we can and so one of the things that kind of gets missed in that work is something like well he's got four pitches that are you know roughly league average some are better some are a little worse but like he can throw you four pitches and i remember something eno said you know before and he reiterated it again is like sometimes it's better for your repertoire to add a below average pitch just because it gives you a different look. It makes the batter have to think about a little bit more. So generally the more roughly average pitches a guy has, and this is another thing I'm, I was mentioning of like the context you need to fold in that I will like mentally be like, Oh, okay. So if he has four pitches, his, you know, his results might be a little bit better than his PLV is. Or then his POA is that like if he has like roughly league average pitches, the more he has kind of the more I'd kind of skew up like what his results would be. That's not something we're doing in the projections as of yet. Um, and I will stress that these are version one of the projections that just went out. We're constantly iterating them. I'm going to be iterating the projecting process throughout the off season. And then especially as, different players sign and get traded and whatnot that will of course also have its updates but yeah that mentally especially like you know you get to a guy like you darvish who's got like seven pitches yeah. that all of them seem average and then he'll put out like a three four era i know he didn't do that this last year but he was one of the ones in the offseason chats with nick and i of like why is he doing so well when his pitches are only average and it's it's things like that that the more looks you can give a hitter the more off balance you're going to have them be and the generally the better that's going to be for your results. Yeah. Probably like even the crazy stuff of putting into, yeah, he might've utilized his subpar fastball, but he used it on like a one, two count. He threw it high and high and tight or something like there's different ways. Like if you want to go super, super deep, which I don't, I'm not suggesting that I'm just saying yeah. like, but, but that's kind of the concept is, you know, he, he wasn't just throwing the fastball. It's where he threw it, when he threw it, all those scenarios that, uh, make it interesting. I'm glad you broke that down because I literally stared at. I, I have Bybee's um, pitch quality, all his PLVs on his pitches. Mm -hmm. I was looking at it. I stared at it for like a half an hour the other night, just going like, "Man, he's 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 average." Like I'm just sitting there looking yeah. at this, going like, "What are we doing here?" And then you got the PLAs next to it on the thing, and I'm like, "Okay, well that pitch is really really good, but then this one really really." So yeah, it just goes in. So I just wanted to bring it up for a conversation and point. And that's something point. too to keep in mind of like you know PLV is also we're iterating it as much as possible, and that's one of the oh, things yeah. that I that's love. Great listening like and i i watch nick i try and consume as much like baseball content pitcher lists fan graphs athletic everywhere because i'm like 
I didn't, I don't have a huge baseball background. Like I didn't really grow up playing. I came into it late and just really dove in. Mm -hmm. But so I'm super fascinated with those things. And that's why I, I love Nick's breakdowns because he does, he talks about things like, oh, he was changing the eye level or, and like, especially Nick will sometimes get into like, cause he was a pitcher. Like he knows this from that end that he's like, oh, here's what I would do. And here's why I think that. And I think that's super fascinating because I'm never going to have that information. And that's also going to be generally challenging information to just glean from a data set. hundred percent. And yeah. so it's like, that, like hearing things like that, that gives you a little bit more context too, of like, if a guy's got pretty good command that like, I, as much as I love PLV, I like scale. Like you have to remember that like individual pitches take into account like individual locations. And so that's, I, I Nick and I are always talking about the scale, yeah. the zero to 10 scale. Cause the problem is zero to 10 is great for every pitch, every individual pitch. Cause it's like, Oh, that slider was just, just off the outside corner, you know, in a, in a two strike count, the batter, even if he makes contact, he can't do anything with it. Like that's a great pitch. That's a 10. Or like a zero is like, oh, he's got three strikes and he throws him an obvious ball. It's a walk or it's going to hit him like a hit by pitch. Like that's a zero because that's like a guaranteed batter on first base. But once you start to aggregate a lot of those together, then everything starts to get smushed together towards the five, towards the league average. And that's one of the things we're talking about. And that's why you see like all of these like season long averages that are like, basically between like 4.6 and 5.5 that it's like the season long gets really compressed because it is just like, that's how using a, but yeah, using a big sample is everything kind of regresses, everything squeezes in, but like taking that idea and then like also applying it towards how pitches are used in a start of like, this is at the season level, you're smoothing out a lot of information, but like the difference between where a slider's located and where the fastball before it was located have value. And those are, those are important. And so that's one of the things that like I'm looking into and like that, like I'm constantly trying to figure out like features to include in this and like, how different is it? Like how much vertical difference, how much horizontal difference inside, outside, like that kind of stuff, because those things have value and have benefits. And like, Frankly, I'm more than comfortable and confident enough to say, like, I don't know what to do with that yet. Like, I'm not like many people would. Yeah. But like, as of now, I'm happy to say I'm not smart enough to figure out how to make that usable. But it's definitely like something that we're constantly looking at. And it may just be like, yeah, it's not going to get folded in. Or maybe it's going to be like next season or someone else. Like one of the things I really love about the public baseball scene is people just put a lot of work out there and are very positive and supportive and happy to discuss work. Yeah. And so like maybe someone else will just be like, aha, I cracked the code. And then I can talk to them or they'll put it out. You know, maybe they'll put like their GitHub and you can see like their process behind it. And so like maybe something like that happens. So like, I'm always looking into stuff. I'll be the first person to tell you that PLV is helpful and useful and it does not include everything. And that's like not even really necessarily what it's trying to do. I, I don't think any stat includes everything. And I, yeah. I, I think keeping it to the actual play on the field is the good part. That's what I like about it. Cause, uh, and I agree with what you're saying with, with what Nick talks about, you know, the guys, you know, pounding the zone here, his whole game plan in theory is what mm -hmm. you could say. There's no way to, at least for me, like a guy that played baseball and watches baseball, like, 
I can't tell you how to numerically identify how good or bad that was. Like you watched the game, like you saw the results and maybe you got unlucky. It is what it is. But like there's, so there's a certain aspect where the stats are great and they're awesome. But like you said from the beginning is you also got to kind of take your own opinion into it and how you saw it go and, and go from there. A couple more things on the pitching thing. And then we'll get to the hitting aspect of this. You were on the panel with Nick and Eno at first pitch doing Mm -hmm. the stuff plus PLV panel type thing. Um, Pitch basically pitching analytics in a nutshell. Yeah. And uh, how does PLV compare to the stuff pluses of the world and all the other pitching kind of um, goodies we got these days? Yeah. So I'm glad you asked. So one of my favorite things when I see, you know, like a Bybee or like a guy where it's just like, oh, his results were so different than his PLV is all like sanity check. They all go and I'll, you know, go to fan graphs and check out there. So uh, like I was saying, PLV is analogous to pitching plus and uh, pitching bots overall grade, that those are things that include location and stuff. And so usually from what I've seen, just anecdotally, PLV compares, like lines up very well with pitching plus and with the overall grade. Um, Something we're working on this off season, and it should be out for the next season um, and on the site is breaking down PLV into stuff and location components. So then we'll have stats that are like, oh, this is his PLV stuff. And then that will be analogous to stuff plus. And then same thing with location, because right now it's PLV is just everything folded in, everything thrown together. But there are things that are more useful, like like we were talking about earlier uh, with fantasy stats of like a higher stuff plus is pretty much always going to be a higher strike rate strikeout rate. And so like, okay, if you see his PLV is good, okay, his whip and his ERA will be good. But if his PLV stuff is bad, maybe he'll have a low strikeout rate. And so that'll be more useful there. Nice. And so okay. that's kind of, uh, uh, but basically that they're all attempting to do the same thing that uh, kind of the PLV pitching plus what side is how the, how good is that pitch? Like the stuff side is like how nasty was that pitch? And then the location side is of course, how well located was that pitch? And they all, they all have strengths and weaknesses. They all have different ways that they can be utilized and bring value. And, you know, I'm, I'm always happy. Like as much as POV is kind of like the one stat fits all, like I love having kind of this sweet, this sampler platter of stats to choose from Mm -hmm. because that helps me get like a rounder picture of, okay, how does this guy get to what's happening on the field? And so that's kind of what we're all doing. We're doing it in different ways, but it's like the, how we get from A to B is different, but generally the starting point and the thing that we're trying to estimate are the same. And so that's why there'll be a lot that line up. I think there's a lot of fun in figuring out like, oh, well, you know, Eno's stuff says one thing, pitching boss says another and POV says a third thing. And then for me, I nerd out and I get to be like, oh, why? Like, what's the thing that PLV is over overweighting or vice versa that that helps me provide, like get more nuance. And then like, I can start a discussion on that or be like, oh, I did that wrong. And I need to fix that for next year. And so I think there's a lot of like fun. I think it's, it's very interesting. It's cool to have these stats at the public level that I think it's, it's neat. Like I'm, you know, maybe flattering myself a bit, but like, this is stuff that teams do 
And now everyone can look at it, you know, and it's great because it's also just like you can think of it like that, too, of like the Dodgers will have their model. The Astros will have their model and the Rays will have their model. And they're all probably trying to do the same thing. But how they get there is different. And so you can kind of think about that, like POV is pitcher lists, team model, pitching plus is the athletics and then, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Or I guess they're all on fan graphs. But yeah, that it's just like it like that's a. Now that I'm thinking about it, like that's a good way to contextualize kind of what we're all doing is no. the same goal, but just the process is a little different. No, for sure. And that's because, yeah. And uh, for me, and I'm not just saying because you're on the show, the PLV is a lot easier for me to understand. So, because, mm-hmm. and, and easier to find, which is a two, two way street. You're winning both ways there. Yeah. I like, literally just go to the, the player page. It's right there where I love, you know, love him to death. We all love, you know, that's not his choice, probably. But mm-hmm. trying to get to stuff plus on Fangraphs is uh, a chore at times. Yeah. To, to make it work, and, it's, and so uh, I know they're getting better. They're talking about having that on player pages pretty soon. But uh, that's uh, the fact you're going to POV or the player pages on pitcher list. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Awesome. Let's talk hitters. I joked about it earlier. I, you knew exactly what I was referring to. Yep. This big metric at pitcherlist.com comes to the table. And it's better utilized for hitters out the gate, which is found out after the fact, like by tinkering, of course. Yeah, I, I have a hunch. I'm speaking for myself here that the initial idea behind PLV was to make this a great pitching stat out the gate, which it's going to be. It's already getting there. Like I said, since March to now, there's yeah. a big difference. But right out the gate, you guys like utilize this for hitting. I guess it makes too much sense. And then Scott Chu shows up and goes, this is amazing. <laughs> and then you guys are doing all your stuff. So um, let's talk about it for the hitter side of things. How do you utilize PLV for hitters? Yeah. And yeah, I got to give uh, kind of the, the process behind how this all came about was, you know, I'm an analytically driven person. I've been playing and then I've also been doing fantasy baseball for going on a decade now. And so I was always trying to figure out like, OK, how to contextualize this. And like one of the I guess one of the helpful things is that my home league was an OBP league. And so I was always interested in like you know, walk rates, decision, swing decisions, basically. And so like that seemed like something that there wasn't a lot of information out there on. And it was just, it was hard for me. Like, obviously you have your, your Ozo, your O swing, your Z swing, that kind of stuff. But like, that doesn't tell the whole picture. And so one of the things that I came to early on was I was like, well, I need to know how likely is someone to swing at that pitch. And then what is likely to be the results of that pitch? Because like I was saying, like, you know, if DeGrom dots a slider on the black outside of like, yeah, that's in the zone, but like, you're not going to do anything with that pitch. Like it's, unless it's two strikes, it benefits the hitter to just not to take a strike because if they make contact, it's going to be a a weak ground ball for an out and that's bad. And so that was one of the like light bulb moments for me. And then kind of working backwards, I was like, okay, I should make a pitch model that gives me that output. And so that also kind of informed how we get to PLV because some models take those inputs I was talking about. So VLO movement location, and they just predict the run outcome. So basically like on average across, you know, history or, you know, recent history that you get at this run on average from a pitch that's similar. One of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to make it kind of more granular and make like, for me, a more fun sandbox to play in. I wanted to be like, okay, how likely is it to be a swinging strike? How likely is it to be a ball in play? And then like, how likely is that ball in play to be like a double or a home run or an out? Because then you can start to see like, 
oh, what's, you know, what's his home runs versus what we would predict based on the pitches he's seen, that kind of thing. And so that gets into now of like, now that we have that, all of that underlying stuff, I can do fun things and be like, how likely was that pitch to be hit? You know, how likely was contact? And so now we have like your contact rate, but with more context of like, you know, yeah, it was a grooved fastball right down the middle. Like you don't get a lot of credit for hitting that. Like you should hit that MLB hitters hit that pitch. But you know, if it's something where it's off the plate and you really had to like reach out, you know, maybe you get a little bit extra credit for it, that that's a little bit of a benefit. And then I think it's, it's really fun too, because then you can start to fold in different contexts of your swing decisions. So you have a guy like Juan Soto, elite God tier swing decisions, very good at deciding what to swing at and what not to swing at. One of the flip sides of that is once you realize he's swinging at good pitches and taking bad pitches is once you know how valuable the pitches he swings at are, he's not really contributing a lot contact wise that you'd expect. He's still like, he's still adding value making contact, but it's not like, you know, earlier on it was like, oh, one so a 300 hitter. And it's not because he's the Luis Arias type where he's got just unfathomable bat barrel control and he can just put that bat anywhere and make contact anywhere. That's like, no, he's only swinging at pitches that he can hit 300 off of, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so like, I think it, it provides a lot more nuance to kind of seeing okay, what do these guys do and how do they do it? And then same thing to the next level of once they make contact, how much useful power are they adding? Because we have things, you know, like your your max exit velo is like how strong you are. But like one of the problems with that is if you're hitting it into the ground, it doesn't really matter. Like it's it's the, the Vlad Guerrero problem of the dude just has killer power, but he's got a ground ball rate that's just too high like for us to dream on. And so that stat is now taking into account like, okay, how likely was that ball to be extra bases? And then how many extra bases did they earn off of it? That it is just like, how much are you adding to it with the combination of your swing like path? So your launch angle and your power, how hard you hit. So it's like useful. Like if you're getting, yeah, if someone hangs a breaking ball and you crush it, like good for you but kind of similar we were talking about a groove fastball like you should hit that hard like you should get a double off of a hung slider and if you get a home run cool you get a little extra benefit but like yeah if you like kind of hit over it and you just get kind of like a single or you get under it and it just bloops over the second baseman like uh, you kind of left some value on the table there power wise that you didn't really hit it as hard as you should have so i think that's where taking these like expected outcomes from the PLV model really helps to contextualize what a hitter is doing and how they're doing it. And so that's, that's the explanation on how we get those stats and then the usability of it, especially from a fantasy perspective. Um, yeah. Like uh, decision value is very analogous to like a walk rate that that's a great way to see like how a guy high decision value, high walk rate, low decision value, low walk rate. Like that's, pretty easy, pretty straightforward, um, contact ability, same thing kind of with a strike to a strikeout rate. Cause it's basically saying what's their contact versus the pitches they see. And then contact ability is also somewhat analogous to average just cause it's balls in play versus not. 
and then you, if you fold in decision value, that'll get you kind of to your OBP of like, if you have a high one and an average one, you'll get like a slightly above average OBP. You know, if you have like bad decision value, good contact, like it'll be kind of average that that's kind of how to take that into account. And then power is very analogous to your ISO. So that'll be how much and that that's why I like it too, because it's usable. Like how much is that in game? How much is that for extra bases? It's not just hard hit, which could be on the ground, but it's actually like relevant to field results that it's not just predictive that it's also like, oh, but it's in units that are helpful for, especially for fantasy. And so you can fold all of those together. And that's something I'm kind of constantly playing with um, is how to weight them to make like those higher level stats. And I, I feel pretty, I feel good about, again, in the POV projections that we have, I've kind of done that, that I've taken away to get your, average walk rate iso and then combine them to get all of your various wobas ops that kind of thing and i feel and i feel good about that but that's again it's as of right now they're they're useful stats and then to get to those higher level like obp you kind of need to factor in your own thing of like okay he's swinging at good pitches he doesn't really hit as many of them as he should but like they're still good pitches and He's hitting them kind of hard. So like, he'll probably be like, he'll probably have a solid on base percentage, maybe about an average, like batting average. And then he'll, he'll get a couple extra bases and then you can kind of extrapolate that from there. No, I like it a lot. It's, it's very interesting. We talked to chew a lot about the decision stuff last week Mm -hmm. and and that was enticing, but I just find it very entertaining that the um, POV, you know, became a hitter's tool for a while there for good reasons. Cause and I'm glad it came out that way is you are looking at the good, the bad of each pitch. So why mm-hmm. can't the hitter have a good and the bad too? That yeah. makes a ton of sense to me. Like there's two parts of the game going on here. And um, I think it's very, very interesting, a great usage of the tool, which gives to these PLV projections, which I know if you go to the website and you're a PL pro guy or whatever, um, there, there are previous years projections just kind of like playing with things. Mm-hmm. This is the first year I think you guys are going to try to to run with them is the uh, Im- impression I was for, for PL Pro members, of course. Yeah. Um, how is that going for you guys so far? I know you said this is part one and I'm with you. Like any projection system, they're always updating things. Like yeah. they will constantly update and they're going to get the best to their ability that they can do. But how is this going for you basically in year one of like the the, the launch of them? Yeah, it's it's going really well. I'm very pleased kind of with how everything's shaken out, um, especially like releasing it now. It, it feels like it's kind of in the heart of projection season. Like I know Steamer's out, Picota was just released, and Zips is doing their team-by-team releases. So um, I'm constantly like looking and just sanity checking and making sure like, are we super high on a guy, super low on a guy? And we've been so far, how I have it is pretty close. The biggest difference is actually you're going to be on the pitcher side, okay. um, especially like your run estimators, because I feel like that's where the nuance of valuing batted ball events in PLV is most useful. But it's there's also some minor differences. Like I think because we have these like context adjusted hitter stats that I don't that the projections we aren't maybe regressing like the truly elite guys like your Shohei Otani's, your Aaron Judges, like that elite power, maybe like, yeah, that's just who he is. The dude's going to mash. And that's just like, 
yeah, like it's sustainable. And so like, I think that's, that's been an interesting thing for me. And maybe one of the bigger differences is I think that we buy into the power numbers a little bit more, whether good or bad compared to some of the other projections. And like, I think that's fun. Like one of the things, um, of course I'm trying to be as accurate as possible, but like, I also like when projections kind of have their guys, like plant your flag. Um, like you were saying, we had last year, last year was kind of a, a raw run through that it was, uh, we had a big weight on, we use uh, Ariel Cohen's uh, ATC projections. Mm-hmm. And that I think it was, we, we used those as a base and they were like maybe half his projections and then half like very prototype level PLV projections. And so that's how you got, you got some really, some really wild things like a Hunter green with a low threes ERA, which, you know, I bought into and it burned me, but it is just like, that was a learning process of like, you know, it taught me what we need to include, how we need to consider different things, big, a big one being park factors, especially for pitchers, but that I think, you know, it's, it's good that you mentioned it, that we have past year's projections, but functionally those are different. Like it's, it's not going to be worth comparing last year's accuracy to, you know, estimate this year's because it's just the process. This is year year one of pitcher list on their own. It's a hundred percent different process. So like, this is it, it's going to, you know, there, there are going to be some bumps, but it's going to be, hopefully fun. Like I hope it's like everything you'll, you'll get some hits, you'll get some misses. I think like that's kind of one of the, the uh, lesser understood parts of like projections just want to be average. Mm -hmm. Like I just want to get like, and it's, and it's, it's tough, especially when you're using projections on a fantasy context. Cause like the point of projections is to make things like you're regressing to the mean in some way, always. But like the problem of you of using those for fantasy specific players is kind of by definition, the important fantasy guys are like the elite, like uh-huh. the almost like the outlier guys, which are always going to be the hardest to predict. So it's always like a, a give and take of like, is your how good is your modeling system or your projection system across Major League Baseball versus across fantasy relevant players and how do you kind of blend the two of those um and so there's always going to be trade-offs made and so i'm yeah like year one i i feel happy with it i'm going to be using it in all my drafts and i'm annoyed because some of my teammates already are and so like that's the problem with putting my thought process out there is yeah like i'm sure you you know you have all your rankings and it's just like now guys are like oh well I know how you value him. And now I'm going to take advantage of that. Or like, I value him the same because I trust your projections. It's like, cool. Now there's like no arbitrage. Now there's no like benefit, but um, yeah, I think it'll be fun. I'm not, I, I would be very pleased if we're at the top of the accuracy, but like this year is more of like proof of concept, more of like exciting, like, yeah, just thing to keep in mind. It's version one. It'll get better. I promise. Like we're, we're taking all of the, all of the hits, all of the misses and we're taking that feedback and we're utilizing it going forward. But uh, yeah, I hope, 
I hope it'll just be fun. I hope it'll be good. And so far it looks like it's doing both of those things. It looks like it's not crazy, mm-hmm. but it also has some guys that, that are uh, more interesting than others. And I, I appreciate that from my perspective, because like you said, most projection systems, they try to kind of keep it around the mean mm-hmm. and I get it. And that's what, you know, projections are for the most part. But like you said, fantasy, we need those ceiling plays. Like we're looking for these guys that can burst out. And so that's where, you know, you can use projections and you kind of put your own icing on the cake. But if you guys bake it in there, that makes it even more intriguing, especially to the um, clientele, I should say, yeah, as they're going through things. So that, that's very interesting. So I was kind of just perusing them real quickly last night and um they're they are pretty close in line with a lot of them like you said there's a lot of similarities but there's also some things you're just like oh okay that's kind of stood out for a second there which is which is a good thing i think it's a good thing because if they all start looking alike like you're going to fancraft's page and you know like four different projection systems at the bottom of players page yeah. and they're all pretty much the same projection like there's a point where you're like okay cool so like i i enjoy the differentiation you have there um when you uh, you, you mentioned three year averages, roughly you mentioned some PLV. You don't have to give me your secret sauce. I don't want that. But um, how long did it take you to do to to, to put these together? Um, and it, how much more tinkering do you think you'll have to do with them? Um, I probably spent two months kind of working the process out um, because that was also I wanted. My process was kind of working from the ground up like I, I i mentioned before of like your your almost like binary stats so like swinging strike like did he swing did he not swing balls like that like the outcome levels and then working up from there to get things like your walk rates your strikeout rates and then from there to get like your whips your eras and then what i wanted to do was i knew i wanted a combination of results that are weighted to to like regress to like the league because you know we're bringing in a bunch of guys with vastly different playing times and sample sizes and so i want to assume that guys that did it over a longer period of time that's more indicative of who they are versus guys that did it over you know 60 plate appearances uh that's probably more noise than not so we'll just take that into account so like that's like pillar one was historic results pillar two was like expected stats and so that would be kind of uh i i I say expected stats but it's things that are like estimating stats from like lower level stats so it would be things like strikeout rate like trying to predict a strikeout rate based on swinging strike and called strike where like you're not observed like that's not his results like that's not his actual strikeout rate but you're taking a little more granular a little lower level stat and trying to figure out like what his strikeout rate should have been. So like yeah. you have your results, you have your like per, should have been like from lower level stats, and then you have the PLV stats. And so for some like on that base, like the swing strike level, I estimate that directly. So I can say like, okay, I predict he's going to have this swinging strike rate because that's what his pitches were. The PLV results were last year. And then as you get kind of higher up that stack, if it's not some that like we get to something like strikeout rate now it's okay. Based on his PLV swinging strike and called strike. Here's what I think his like PLV strikeout rate is basically. And then kind of moving on up the, the stack until you get to like the top level things like your ERA, which that one's kind of a, 
a funny use case because since I also am doing runs at the pitch level, I can make that. So that's like kind of a fourth like branch, but yeah, for the most part, everything is observe stats, stats based on like predicted from the underlying stats and then predicted from PLV. And so I did that for everything. And then depending on the stat weighted those accordingly or weighted those based on what predicted next year best. So for some, their PLV stat, like for uh, ERA, like their PLV stats predict next year's best. And so that's the highest weight. But for some, like swinging strike rate, especially for guys with like 100 innings, like that's pretty stable year to year. And so like your results will be the highest weight. And then like PLV will provide some like nuance and some color into that. And so every stat has a different weight of those results to underlying predicted versus plv predicted and so then i did that for every stat and then combine them all together and generate it and that's how we got to those projections no i like it it's it's pretty cool to see just looking at them and everything and the is the different feels to them that i like about it like i was saying before and that's probably a lot of factor in those other things you mentioned along the way which which is tremendous to utilize those tools in that regard any final thoughts on PLV before we hit on a couple players that uh, listeners asked about and an awesome listener question as well? Any, any is there, There's a ton to talk about in PLV, honestly, but is there anything else that you'd like to bring up? Yeah, I think um, just to, to reiterate, like this is a tool. Like I'm not telling you that a pitcher is his PLV. I think like there's a lot of really interesting things that go into pitching that this that aren't included here. I mean, a huge one off the top of my head and is something I'm looking at, but it's not currently in there is even just pitching like wind up versus from the stretch. Like I'm not factoring in guys on base at all. I'm just factoring in who's it like, actually not even who's at the plate. I'm just factoring what that pitch is like. So sometimes guys like, and that's a pretty substantial change for some guys is their delivery between those two factors. And so that'll affect some of their POV. So like, that's exhibit a on like something that's not factored in that could be helpful. Um, that there are like a lot of things and I'm happy, like DM me. I'm happy to give you, I have that my presentation from last year at PitchCon has like basically all the inputs it's public. I'm happy to share it again, but it's like, this is everything that goes into it. And then I'll be the first person to tell you like, you know, we're not including runners on base, not including times through the order, not including score states, like, all that kind of stuff that is like, as a baseball fan, like, you know, like that impacts changes it in some level. And it's like, we're talking about too, of like at the season level, like he's got, you know, five average pitches. So maybe his results are going to be a little better that like, there's a lot of things that go into this that like, like, I think uh, people see these and they're like, Oh, well the analytics say this and the analytics say that. And it's like, one of the things that people don't understand is like, we're doing our best to make it like, Oh, well, this is what the numbers say, but there are a lot of, like there's a lot of like philosophy that goes into it of like, we're like, I'm making decisions on what are we including? What are we not including? Or how are we handling something? And so like, this is PLV is like my best idea for that. But like, there are going to be pros and cons that there's no way to factor in everything in the right way. And I'm sure, you know, Eno will tell you that I'm sure any team employee, will tell you that that it is just like, we're trying to do the best with what we have, but sometimes there's not a feasible way to numerically measure something. Sometimes, you know, it's going to be, 
at the season level, it's going to be more noisy than helpful, but maybe in a game, that's going to be a relevant data point. You know, that there's all of these different factors that go into it. So I think that's the thing is like, this is my educated idea of how good a pitch pitch, like an individual pitch, a pitch type, a pitcher, like how, like, this is the, my educated idea of how good or bad it is. But there are a lot of things that go into it that will affect what actually happens afterwards. And I mean, like another big one is like who the batter is like, yeah, yeah you threw a great pitch to Juan Soto and you know, he took it, he took it for a walk or like, yeah, you threw a pitch out of the zone to Arias and he hit it over the first baseman and that drove in two runs. And it's like, yeah, what are you going to do? Like some batters are really good. And like by design, this doesn't include that, but like, these are all kind of things you need to keep in mind when you're comparing it to, results or trying to use it to have an idea of what's going to happen going forward yeah it's a tool it's a utilized tool to kind of i always say on almost every tool or metric we have out there is it allows you to go huh that's interesting now go dig in on a player like that that's kind of my my angle to it or if you need a quick you know check mark then yeah they're there but it helps open your eyes to more things the other thing i'll bring up real quick before we do the player talk you have a couple little apps do you want to talk about those real quick yeah. Yeah. So right now we have three apps, uh, just like web apps that are free to use um, in the season. Those are going to go behind a, a paywall for a pitcher list. So you'll need to subscribe to them. I think we'll still have previous seasons that'll be free to access, but in season will be subscriber based. Um, but yeah, so we have things like uh, I have a, a PLV, like a season level app that you can see how, different pitchers do, how their PLVs are, how their different pitches perform, and uh, a couple different charts. So you can see kind of at a glance, like where their pitches fall compared to the league average, how their individual pitches are distributed across the PLV spectrum. So you can see like how many eights and nines were they throwing versus how many ones and zeros. And then the third chart is kind of our movement chart. So you can see at a glance, like, what a guy's movement profile is. So his induced vertical break compared to his horizontal break. So you can kind of see, you know, how much separation are his pitches getting? Does he have a hole where maybe like adding a pitch could be beneficial? Uh, That kind of thing. So that's our pitcher app. And then we have uh, Scott Chu's favorite hitter app. And that does our hitter uh, grades as a table. So it'll give you uh, their decision values, contact ability, power on like the, 2080 you know grade scale we also include strike zone judgment which is basically just like is a guy good at telling strikes from balls basically um and then also a fun one is swing aggression and so that's things like because i have how often a guy is expected to swing at every pitch i can see how often they do swing and so you'll get some guys like your dan vogelbacks who are like they swing like 15% less than you expect. Like the bat never comes off his shoulder. And then you have your guys like, um, I don't know, like your Javi Baez is who are just like, they're going to swing at everything, even maybe when they shouldn't. And so that's always kind of a fun one. And then it's always interesting to me that gives you some more nuance of like guys who swing a lot and have good decision values are like Bryce Harper and Corey Seager. Like that's kind of a hard like needle to thread. And so usually those are pretty elite eyes and batters and then it's also interesting to see like the guys who like 
don't swing a lot and also have bad decision values because usually not swinging is helpful because a lot of guys expand the zone and swing at balls but sometimes guys just never swing and stop swinging at strikes and that starts to get detrimental and so it's always interesting to me to kind of like figure out like who those guys are how and like kind of diagnose how they get to their results and performance um and then at the bottom of that table is our rolling charts. And so that's probably the bread and butter. It's definitely the most Twitter famous of the bunch. Uh, thanks, Scott. But uh, it's basically we take uh, however long of a rolling amount. So for it's 400 pitches for decision value, 200 swings for contact, and 75 batted balls for power. And we look at each player's season over time. And so you can kind of see you know, a, a really helpful one is to help diagnose changes in approach, or maybe they try to swing path change. And so you can kind of see like, did a guy, was his decision value stable over time? Or did it drop? Or did it increase? And you can kind of start to see, like, okay, maybe, you know, he made a conscious change to do x, y, and z. And that helps provide context. It's a great storytelling tool. Or another fun one is I know this was true with Gunnar Henderson that he had an interview after the season about he specifically mentioned changing uh, the pitches he was trying to swing at. And then I double, I went back and looked and sure enough, that was like validated by our rolling charts as you can kind of see like, okay, as the season went on his decision value, his swing aggression, they changed. And so like that gels with what the player is telling you he was trying to do. So that's kind of a really cool one that it helps identify changes in talent or ability and also helps verify things that like beat reporters and players themselves are telling you. And so that's the hitter app. And then the last one, which has gotten a lot of play from Nick. And uh, I know you said you hadn't read the FTN article, but it's the thing that he referenced the most is I put together, it's a pitch analysis app card. Um, And so basically the idea behind this was Nick would always ask me, why is this good at PLV? And so like, this was like my thought process of like looking at like, okay, what are the things that this pitch does that would make it better or worse or what have you? And so it has things like where the pitch is located, what its movement profile looks like, how it's velo compares to league average, how it's break compares to average, what it's uh, vertical approach angle is. And so a lot of these different things that can kind of help you diagnose like, oh, well, it's, you know, like Paul Seawald, I know we talked about it first pitch, but it's like, yeah, he's got a slow fastball. It doesn't get a lot of vertical break, but it's got just elite, elite uh, vertical approach. And so it's like shockingly uh, flat for what the velo and the break is. And I think that throw gives batters fits. And so that's like something that'll help diagnose like, oh, that's why it rates well. And so it's a great way to see like at a glance, all of the individual characteristics of a pitch and compare them to the rest of the league. And so that's kind of a, a really fun one. And then I, I speaking of uh, you were talking about the, the discord chat and how I'm always just like taking feedback and throwing things in of like, it was during Nick's talk with Pablo Lopez and he was talking about like locations and how he locates compared to the league. And that got, gave me the idea. And so now on that pitch app, there's a, a chart that shows how a pitcher locates that pitch type compared to everyone else in the league so you can see things like 
oh, like he throws this higher on average than the rest of the league. Or like, you know, George Kirby, you'll see his breakers are like way more often in the zone, which makes sense for a guy with like a 2% walk rate. Like it makes sense that he's pounding the zone. He's really attacking hitters. Um, And then you can see things like, you know, a Blake Snell that like he throws outside the zone a lot more often, but it's not way outside. So it's like plausible as like, okay, that's going to induce swings, but they're going to be bad swings. And so that starts to give you some context of like, okay, like if batters, you know, if they start to take, like, that's why the walk rates up, but if they swing, like that's like, it's a competitive pitch still, even though it's not a strike. So like, I get how he can thread that needle of having really good results with a really high walk rate. So that was something that we added. Um, yeah, like weeks ago. So it's cool. I'm always working on new stuff. One of the things I'm, I'm working on right now is doing heat maps for hitters. Okay. So we, you can actually see like, here's where his contact ability is better than average. Like if it's like, he's actually good at hitting that high and inside ball more than like low and outside. So you can kind of see like where should pitchers pitch to him, where his like hot zones are, where his cold zones are like where he might have a hole in his swing is. So you can kind of help diagnose a little bit of like how, how they get the value that they get, like based on the pitches they see. So a lot of cool stuff in the works on those. Um, like I said, they're all free this off season. Feel free to ping me or I generally include the links in the charts. So you can always just like follow those links and that'll get you to the apps. Um, but yeah. And then during the season, subscribe to pitcher list and you'll get access to them too. Yeah. It's worth it folks. I, I, I say it every episode on first pitch, but it's worth it. So go, go check it out. Uh, let's talk about a couple of players. I, I had some on the list, but if, you know, mine were going to deviate from those, and the listeners gave us some, so we're just going to go with theirs. There's like four, four or five names here, yeah, and they're a little more obscure, so this could be fun to kind of see see where this goes. But the first one mentioned was from Ben <laughs> Bingham, Ben Bingham MLB. Mm-hmm. Michael Garcia made his list, and this is a fun name because people don't really know what to do with Michael. He's got good speed and everything, but then it's the power's kind of suspect at times. It's the Royals. What are we doing? When you're looking at your PLV tools, you're looking at your projections, what are they telling you about Michael Garcia? So one of the things that I'm seeing about Michael Garcia, and I'm using my hitter app right now, I've got everything pulled up on the side screens, but so he's actually really good at swinging at the right pitches and then hitting them. So he's got like a, a very stable floor as far as like his average is concerned, um, that it's, it's going to be solid. Um, it's not going to, I mean, it's not elite. And I think one of the things that folds into that is he's got atrocious power that he's got like 25th percentile power. And that was like down trending down over time as the season went on. So that's, that's a pretty suspect red flag, especially in a park like Kansas city, which is huge. I think it has, I have, we have a picture list park factors now that I'm also utilizing and they have, I think the second worst, a uh, home run factor to center. So just that cavernous like center field that just gobbles up fly balls. And so that's not going to do him any favors. Um, but like, so you're never going to get, you know, I mean, definitely not teens, but he might struggle to kind of hit even double digits, like a 10, 11 homers this season, but he's still going to be useful as maybe like a later round guy for like 
the average isn't going to hurt you. The OBP is going to be fine. And he's going to get his steals. Like I know our projections right now have him, I think for 20, um, which in yeah, for 20. Yeah. In the, you know, in the current stage of what stolen bases are like, that's not quite as impressive as it used to be, but like as a guy who can fill in, I think, is he eligible at third and short? He's all over the place. Let me yeah, I got, he's I got, got a lot of position eligibility. So, like, he'll be one of those guys who, you know, it was like I was talking about the uh, the more pitches you have, maybe the the more valuable that is to a pitcher for PLV. That like, if you have position eligibility, like that's now like a utility guy, like or maybe like that first bench slot who's now super useful because now you can fill him in anywhere for injuries. He's not going to sink you outside of maybe the hitting the the power stats and i mean kansas city's a bad lineup so like the counting stats like run homers rbi are going to be pretty tough so you want to fill that in elsewhere but he's not he's not going to sink your average he's not going to sink your obp and he'll be he'll provide um some value on the bases so i think he's a guy that and like that's what our apps will back it that he's got good underlying metrics line up with his results as far as getting on base uh pretty suspect power but that's not what you're drafting him for like you know that going in so i like i think he's he's solid he's a guy especially if i go like power heavy early that that's something that like he's he'll be a good spot of helping me kind of smooth out that lineup construction later in the draft yep i'm with you on that one um garcia is very intriguing Projected at the bottom of the order, if that could change, maybe some injuries change. It could be a better season for Michael, but yeah, you're not getting him for power. That's for darn sure. Yeah. Uh, the next player to discuss, I'm, I'm really curious because on your projections here on him, uh, R. Weaver asks Gabriel Moreno of the Arizona Diamondbacks. This one's kind of fun because I see the projections and it's a little lower on power than I would have expected. So I'm curious on what your, uh, your PLD and everything talk about. Yeah. Um, well, here, let me pull him up. Yeah, uh, I think that's a tough one. Let well, catchers see. are tough in general. I'll give you that much. Yeah, playing times are concerned and all those things. Let's yeah. see. Uh, Arizona. Arizona. Okay, Arizona is another one of those parks. Like I'm looking at it right now, sure. but it's like um, an 80 park factor for home runs to center again. And Moreno, off the top of my head, he's not like he doesn't have a crazy uh, spray splits he's not like a isak paredes like he's not super pull heavy i is that i may i may be wrong on that but like if he sprays the ball around a little bit that park is gonna similar to kansas city it's gonna eat up some of those center field um home runs and yeah he's got middling power based on kind of what our apps are it's like it's below average it's not it's definitely not uh michael garcia's but it is just yeah i think 500 plate appearances, double digit homers in a park that's pretty big. Like I, I think that lines up. I think like that's that checks out to me. He's gonna be he's another guy, um, and he he's much more lauded kind of for his uh, ability to get on base. That he's got a much better kind of like hit tool, like contact wise, than Michael Garcia. And so that's gonna be you. That's gonna be useful as well. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just, he's a useful catcher. Like, I don't know that he's necessarily going to, I know his prospect pedigree had a lot of upside that he had a lot, there was a lot of hype going into it. And I think like 
don't be disappointed if he's a useful catcher that doesn't hurt you. No, I think it's a good point. I was looking it up. He's about a 40% to center, 33% to left. So there's a lot of center field yeah. to that. And that's this is why I love having conversations with people because I wouldn't have even fo- focus as much on that. But Arizona definitely much more pitcher friendly these mm-hmm. days. So that, that's a very, very good point. I still think a little more than 12, but that's the fun of projections. We can all have our opinions on that. And that's yeah. what makes it interesting. But at least I, I can understand a little more, like the lower number per se. It makes a lot more sense there. Yeah. Uh, the next one, if you don't have anything on this gentleman, I totally understand because he's not on the projection sheet, but maybe you have some stats from last year on the app. Um, Scout Potato asks, Miles Mastrobioni. And he played about 60 games for the Cubs last year, uh, 13 steals, one homer. I think what it is is uh, Ryan Bloomfield on last Bubba in the Bloom talked about him like three yeah. different times. And I think it's the listener going, well, I want, like, I don't know if it's a real question or not, honestly. But uh, <laughs> if, you, if you got stuff on him, like he's he's basically a bench bat that you hope if someone gets hurt that he could probably take up playing time. Yeah, I I think that's that's probably the, the best way to use him. Like I think he's got um looking at our apps now, he doesn't swing a lot. He swings about eight percent less than average. Um, so he's a guy who that'll help you in an OBP league, it'll probably hurt you in a an average league because he's not gonna quite get as many um at bats, you know, he's not going to get as many hits as he, as maybe his playing time you'd expect, but yeah, he's a guy, he's slightly above average, like 55 grade decision value. So like that'll like, that's a, a solid floor to start from, but he's got a little bit below average contact. Um, he's got like a 40 grade power. Um, so it's one of those things of, I, yeah, like I, <laughs> If you're starting him, I think you might be in for a rough time. That's not going to be a lot of fun. But I think he's a guy that's shown, like, and I, I mean this in a positive way, but he's shown, like, he's an MLB hitter. Like, he's got enough quality. He's not overmatched. He'll be fine. He'll get you through it. Like, hopefully, you know, if it, you pick him up for a weekend because your guy got the flu or something, and, like, he'll be fine. He'll be serviceable. You know, he's not going to go – Oh, for seven on a weekend trip kind of thing. Like he's going to be a guy he'll get you, you know, two to four hits, maybe a Homer couple run RBI combos. Um, I don't have stolen bases off the top of my head, but I mean, for these kind of guys, it's like, if he chips in one, that's a win. So I think like, that's, that's the thing of like, he might be someone who on a deeper league, I'll have him watch listed. Of like if I if I need a, a warm body, you know, and I I just need some production. It doesn't need to be great. Like I'm not chasing upside. I think he's a guy that I think that that would I'd, I'd look for. Better big leaguer than fantasy player type situation with Miles Mastrobioni. Bingo. Um, we have a pitcher here now. This is fun. Oregon Ducks two. He was at uh, FPAS. He asks Bobby Miller, and I'm glad he brought this up because this is a guy, even when I do my rankings, I just have such a difficult time with Bobby because I can't deny the talent, but he's still young. There's just so many question marks I have with Bobby Miller. So what are you seeing when you look at Bobby Miller? Yeah, I I mean, so you, you've seen our projections. I'm a huge fan of Bobby Miller. I think he's got some – he's just got some killer stuff. He's like his – the velo that he throws at, like, I feel like velo to a starting pitcher is like decision value to a hitter of that establishes your floor. They're like, if you throw fast, you're going to have a high floor. 
And so from there, then you can start to be like, okay, but how does he execute those pitches? How does he fold in a, a variety of other pitches to choose from? So I'm, I'm just looking at like our pitch type um, app right now, the, the pitch analysis app. And it's a huge fan of, he's got a, just a killer four-seamer, 99 average, that will play. It's got actually surprisingly middle of the pack shape, 16-inch uh, rise, 9-inch uh, arm side breaks, pretty average VAA, throws in the zone. He actually, and now I'm looking at kind of the, where he throws it charts. He throws it down more often than the MLB average, which I know Nick is opposed to like four seamers up is what it's all about. So that's, that's an interesting one, but I, he's also one of those guys. He's got the two fastballs. That's something I know that Seattle really loves, but it's interesting to see from the Dodgers. He's also got a, a really good sinker that that thing. It's more of a kind of, this is one of the things I watch that I like, always try to listen to Nick about because he's like, oh, well, that's more of a two-seamer than a sinker. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I think it's like <laughs> this. That like, I think Bobby Miller's got a two-seamer because it is like so fast. It's got not a lot less vertical break than his four-seamer, but it's still got a little bit more arm side movement. So, yeah. and that's the pitch that he really locates up. And especially against lefties, that's the thing he's putting at the top of the zone. So he's got kind of two fastballs that he can play around with he can move around it looks like he's got solid control of and then he's got um a killer slider like we're like definitely upper level elite slider 90 mile an hour average is like bananas and then if you consider that there's also like pretty like solid movement profiles to go with it and he does a good job of locating it glove side like right along the paint just like up and down like he doesn't really hang a lot and he doesn't have any that go from that um right-handed batter's box into the zone that these are a lot of pitches that start as strikes and then fade out of the zone rather than the other way around so he's really hunting with it and so i think he's a guy i i really like him a lot i think he's he's already has great results and i think he's got even more upside and then also i think the dodgers need every inning they can get so they're probably gonna let him run and then this is another one of those things like I talk about like, oh, you know, you got to think about parks and defenses and like with a young pitcher, like the Dodgers are a genius level organization with development. They're really smart. They're going to get the most out of everyone on their roster. And so when you've got a guy with the like the clay, like the moldable clay that Bobby Miller has and you get the Dodgers with their ability to like shape, you know, something out of nothing, it seems like every season like I, every, every arrow right now to me is trending up that he's got killer stuff, locates it. Well, young has room for improvement with an organization with a track record of development. And he's got the green light from a playing time perspective that like, there's like the only downside is just performance, just a track record. But that's it. Like otherwise, I really believe like he's he's a guy who's got so much going for him. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. That's right. My, mine's the track record thing that always bugs me, but that's a, a problem yeah. I always have. That's a, I've admitted that on so many shows that I have a, <laughs> a problem with young players and trusting them type things. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's about it there. Uh Matt Poole asks, this is a fun one because everyone wants to know. Christian Javier let so many people down with high expectations last year. What are we do? What are we seeing with Christian Javier, who kind of looked a little better in the postseason last year? 
Yeah, so he's he's a guy, he's an interesting one because he relies so much on location on that fastball that he's like, especially the past few seasons before last, he was like the patron saint of those high rising fastballs that stick at the top of the zone. And I think, and I'm, and I'm looking at it right now, and it's it's the same thing that he locates his fastball above the zone a lot, that it's got killer induced break, just like elite level rise. The problem is always going to be it's 93. And so like, that's the thing is hitters can tee that up. And I think what's interesting because his arm slot, he's so over the top that that ball doesn't really jump on top of hitters like kind of I, I mentioned before like a Paul Seawall like his because he's coming f- he's coming from a so- more of a sidearm slot so when that ball comes up it's like you don't expect it as much versus with Javier because he's so up and down you kind of understand that oh that ball is going to be coming up it's not going to go in line with his arm as much and so I think that might be something of hitters are starting to get an idea of and this is kind of a fun thing. I saw, um, shoot, I forget his name, but one of the guys from Tread was talking about it when mentioning modeling sleep sweepers. But it is just like you need to retrain your models every year because hitters adapt. As hitters see more things, so as hitters see, in Javier's case, these fastballs with this crazy level of rise to them, they'll adapt. That They start to internalize that. They practice for that in the offseason. I remember hearing uh stories about guys who were like visualizing in the batting cage a pitch that comes in like three inches higher and swinging for that to help them get to those rise fastballs so like they're internalizing and figuring that out and so i think that's one of the things that javier's pitch profile was really good when he was more of the guy that did it but now that everyone's kind of optimizing Pitchers are getting better. Batters are getting better at recognizing those pitches. I think that's something of just having elite rise isn't going to save you. That you need to incorporate something, whether it's velo. He's also got a pretty short release extension. So he only gets six feet when he lets go of the ball, which if you're combining short release with below average velo, that's like now you're compounding that like slowness problem of you're giving that batter more time to recognize that pitch. And so I think that's something that's going to be tough. I think if he gets back to like, he does pound the zone high with it. I think that's a way for him to do it, but especially to righties in um, at the, in Houston, like they can pull, like they can do the Alex Bregman, like, or just pull it into the seats, into the box there. And like, that's tough. Like he's always going to be a fly ball guy. And in a park that's not like great at suppressing home runs, like you're you're gonna get you're gonna get dinged sometimes. And I'm just going back and looking. Yeah, the uh, I'm looking at his results compared to last year. That he was a mile an hour faster. Sorry, in 2022 yeah. with his fastball. So like he's the kind of guy who doesn't have a mile an hour to lose. To give, yeah, yeah. So like like that all plays better when the pitch is a, like that fraction faster has huge results, like few general. So if he's pitching like 94, like that, he's a kind of guy like check spring training because the velo numbers are sticky in spring training. But like, if you see him and he's comfortably sitting 93 to 95, 
like maybe like, okay, he's got the, he's got the heat back a little bit on that fastball, which when you combine with his movement profile, that's going to be a lot more effective than if he's sitting a little lower, like 91 to 94, that's probably, that's a little bit more of a red flag, more of a, Ooh, 2023 might continue next year. No, I like that a lot because that's, that's explained so much more than I even thought of. I, I've, I've heard about the velocity up thing, but that there, there's so much more there that really completely crosses them off my list. So that is a uh, that's fun. Um, Gerald Points had a list of guys. We'll pick one here for fun. Um, you had Wu, Ladolo, Miller, Schmidt. Let's do Brian Wu just because he's a younger guy that I'm curious about. So what do you, what do you got here on Brian Wu? So Brian Wu, another one of those guys, I love, I feel like I just love Seattle, like in general, like I love, well, I'm a, I'm, I am somewhat of a Mariners fan, so I'd like them period, but I like their pitching. I just love how diverse the, the pitchers they have are, how their skill sets are different and how they utilize those skill sets differently. Um, And Wu is kind of an example of that, that he's a guy um, like I mentioned before, Bobby Miller, that they're really pushing that like two fastball approach, especially for um, for him, that he does a really good job of locating that sinker. He just puts it arm side on the black and then on his four seamer, he does a really good job of the opposite of putting it glove side on the black. So he's got two fastballs that he can locate really well to both sides of the plate. And so that's like a, that's a great foundation to start with. And he's also one of the poster boys for vertical approach angle. So he's got one of those fastballs that really just pops up on hitters at the end that based on his release and how his movement profiles, that it ends up a lot higher than hitters would expect that he's got elite, like I'm talking like top percentile, like just rise on his fastball. And so I don't think, I don't think hitters are ready for that, or at least historically hitters haven't been ready for that. And so I think that's something of, he's got this really good foundation of two fastballs that are about 95, which is right where you want to be Velo wise, like not elite, but also definitely not something that's a red flag. He locates them well and he uses them for different reasons. And he also does have something he has elite, an elite characteristic that he can utilize with those other ones to make it play up a little bit that he's got that just crazy rise that batters aren't going to be expecting. And then, yeah, he pairs it with a pretty league average slider, which again is not a detriment. That's a useful pitch to anyone's repertoire. Um, and then let's see, I'm, I'm just pulling these all up live on our pitch. Wow, this is great. It's, you're utilizing the tools in, yeah. the, in action. That's what's it's great. Um, and then he also has, he's got a change up, which doesn't use a lot because it's, not good. And then he also has a cutter. So he's got a couple different pitches that give him velo changes, movement changes, shape changes. So he's got a couple different ways that he can attack batters in a way that aren't going to hurt him. Like the, the cutters, like a four, nine PLV. So speaking of what we were talking about before, like that's a little below average, but it's not so bad that it's going to be a detriment. Like it, it helps his overall profile because it gives him kind of one more thing to approach um, the hitters with. And I'm looking at this right now, he's got elite release extension that he's got the opposite, that he's got almost seven feet of extension. So if you like compare him to Javier, that that ball is coming a foot from a foot closer to the plate. 
which is like almost two percent like that is like a significant amount of distance before the hitter can even like start to understand what's happening so like these are all things that kind of play in, into him having a good um having good possible underlying traits i know in our projections he's he's a sub four era which is above average it's not super glowing but um he's also someone that one of the biggest things that I'm working on, I know you talked about like, what are you iterating for the projections in the off season is playing time yep. and figuring out like, especially for pitchers, like starting versus relieving and trying to glean information from what they did last year and trying to figure out like, okay, what they do at the end of last year versus the start. So like your, your Cole Reagan's of like, Oh yeah. Like everyone knows he's a starter, but in the season long data, like the Rangers used him as a reliever a lot. So it's like, that's something that like, okay, I need to factor that in, but Wu's the same. He, I, I need to update his playing time estimates because it has him starting only half his games, which like, we know that's not true, but that's again, something I'm iterating on. And I'll be upfront that playing time is like the number one thing that's going to change the most, but yeah, he's, he's a good pitcher in a, like, he's like a poor man's Bobby Miller. I guess is he's, he's a good young pitcher. He's got some elite traits going for him. He's got an organization that has a a good track record of developing pitchers. I mean, like, look at, they turned him and Bobby Miller from kind of almost non-prospects, like kind of just quad a guys. And both of them turned out into very serviceable MLB pitchers. I know they have a really good analytics program and then drive lines right down the street from Seattle. So they always have access to that. Um, so yeah, I like, I like Brian Wu. He may be one of those guys that like, I maybe even push up higher than my projections have him, but he's, he's a solid young pitcher. I think uh, one of the things that's also hard of projections is like, how do you factor in upside? Like, I think he's the guy who like has a big, uh, a, a lot of, potential that he's got a lot of room that he could really surpass these projections just because the underlying traits of his pitches are really good. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. Like, I like Wu a lot against all those rookie guys. Who do I trust type situations? But I, I, I agree with everything you had to say. Uh, we have two, a comment, uh, maybe two comments and a question before we head out of here. Uh, Ryan Bloomfield was in the chat asking, where is your handwritten nameplate from first pitch Arizona? Oh, he's got it right there. Yeah, That's dang. outstanding. <laughs> Bang. Yeah. That's, oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's the best. That's how I felt walking up there with Eno and Nick, very established guys, but no, and they were great. I love that panel. Uh, baseball HQ was really, everything they did was awesome. They treated me super well. I was, you know, just happy to be there for sure. And it sounds like I, I helped the conversation. I know it's hard to get a word in with those other two guys on that panel, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, I think I said, some things that that help the conversation you were definitely <laughs> utilized properly up there you're very helpful um carlos marcano a buddy of ours asks make him talk about parquet files and python i don't think we have enough time for that but i wanted yeah. to bring it up here because he yeah. i can tell there's a little tongue-in-cheek involved in that yeah that was dirty it was earlier in the season it's basically like instead of using csvs like how you store your information yeah. that it's a a very efficient file structure that not a lot of people use and that's what I use to feed the apps. So like, it's a lot easier to have a lot of data. And so that was one of the things I know he like discovered it. And I was like, oh, that's what I use just because it's it's a helpful like behind the scenes file structure. But 
There we so go. It's, it's probably what he uses for his specs and yeah. stuff like that. I, I would recommend it if you're if you're coding in Python and using like pitch level data where there's like three million pitches a season. I would <laughs> recommend getting efficient data types. There you go. Yeah, you guys do that. I'll watch. Please yeah, exactly. Behind um, yeah. And then Ben Tate had a question, and please don't ruin Skeen's Pirates. Also said he was very curious about this. So it's kind of a couple people are interested. I think it's a great question, and so we'll, this will be the last one we have on the show. But Ben Tid said, are you ever worried that you can get too into the weeds with individual pitch analysis? Referring to the tools Nick outlined in the FTN article. I read it and it was pretty overwhelming. I can see doing that for a pitcher every now and then, but not for 100 plus pitchers. So I think it's a really question a lot of people have on like when to use these stats, how many stats are worth it. Like, so how, how would you go about that? Yeah, I no, I, I love this question. And that's something I'm always trying to keep in mind and especially – in my discussions with Nick about how we want to present these things that a lot of it goes into like, who are these for? How easy is it to understand? How easy is it? And so I guess, how do I get out of the weeds? It's tough for me as like the guy who's like growing the weeds, I guess you could put it that like, I see, I always joke that it's like in the matrix where there's like the green ones and zeros coming down and like, I can see it and I know what's going on, but like to everyone else it's nonsense. Uh, one of the things would be like, I think Nick does a really good job of synthesizing that, mm -hmm. like have people you trust basically have like listen to y'all's podcast, read articles on pitcher list, athletic fan graphs that like there are guys who will like serve as translators for like, I mean, not, and not even necessarily like pitch level statistics, like PLV, but even just trying to understand like, oh, I don't think his ERA is going to be that bad because he has this strikeout rate that like there are so many people doing really good work in like the content community whether that's written articles videos podcasts that like just find someone you like in like a tone and like at the like level of information that you like and run with it like that that, that would be my number one thing the second thing is just like start with the question and like that question could be something like how good was that pitch and then you'll get a couple different answers and I think one of the things that I really like about PLV and stuff plus in that is like, it's hopefully a somewhat intuitive number as far as comparing like, oh, 100 stuff plus is average, five PLV is average. So you can figure out easily like, oh, that's better or worse than average. And so like that gives you a higher level understanding. And then I'm like more than happy to break down like why it gets into that of like, oh, well, because he has this rise on this fastball, like that's going to help him get more swinging strikes. That's going to help like X, Y, Z that like you don't necessarily, if you have the desire, you absolutely can be like, why, why does, why did that number come about? And that I like, I'm happy to have a conversation, DM, whatever, like to explain like, yeah, here are the things that go into it. And like, I know, speaking of like have content creators that you like, like having Nick, like he'll go through one of the things and he's just like, this is what I look for, for velocity. This is what I look for in movement. And that he'll kind of give you like a range or context for what these stats mean. And so if you want that little bit extra information, he's a great guy that will kind of provide that level. And like, it's okay to be intimidated and to not understand. Cause like, that's the other thing too. I think everybody sees these like finished products, these finished, like these written articles or like these models that come out from me. And it's just like, oh, 
everyone knows everything that's going on. And it's like, no, like, I wish I could like make my discord chat with Nick public as like <laughs> he's going through and he's asking, Hey, what does this mean on the pitch analysis app? Like, what is this number? Like, how is it good? How is it bad? What do you compare it to that? It's like, not everybody knows everything and that's okay. But like, it is like, ask, I, I mentioned it earlier, the fantasy baseball community is like super supportive and very open and very happy to engage I've, I've found. And so like, if you ask like, Hey, how did you get to this? People are more than happy to be like, Oh, here's how I got to it. Or here's what this means, or here's how this fits within the context of the league. And like, that's true on Twitter. I'm doing it a lot right now in our pitcherless discord with the projection releases. A lot of guys are like, Hey, how'd you get to this? Or are you factoring in this or that or the other thing? And I'm more than happy to be like, yes, no, this is how, like all that kind of stuff that I totally get. There's so much information out there, which is really cool, but it is almost paralysis by analysis. And so I, rather than like look at leaderboards and just jump right into the numbers and tables and all that, that it might be helpful to like, read a couple articles by uh, writers you like or listen to podcasts and be like, oh, here are the stats they keep mentioning. Let me look at those. And so you're not just looking at this wall of numbers, all of which have different things. And now you're like a, a more targeted approach. And I think that's something that's that's super helpful that like getting your feet wet is is great. I know it's, it's harder now because there's so much information, but that I think it's great now because there's also so many different ways that people can get invested in it that if you are more analy uh, analytically inclined that you can do like pitch level modeling and look into that or if you are someone who's like i've been watching baseball for 20 years like i know the box score that you can get into things like okay well here's you know here's what his PLA is. And it's like, based on how good his pitches are, this is what we think his ERA should be, that you get those like one-to-one -one stats. And so I think there's a lot of ways for people to meet where they're at as far as their comfort in understanding new and complex stats. And there's no good or bad side to that. Like, however you like baseball is the best way to like baseball as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, I would just try and find people who kind of help you on that journey or can kind of point you to things that will better inform how you like to follow the game. I love it. That's spot on. That's one thing I always say is find who you like, like people look at rankings, like whatever, yep. find what works for you and go from there. Um, and you hit on it. There's so much great stuff out there right now. And um, take in what you can take in. Don't overdo it, basically, because then yeah. you won't be as overwhelmed. And that's the beauty of it. But that uh, was very well said on your part, and um, a lot of great stuff at PitcherList, a lot of great stuff everywhere. But uh, before we head on out of here, why don't you remind everybody where they can find you and what you got coming up that they can maybe partake in one way or another. Yeah, so I'm at PitcherList, of course. I'm helping them behind the scenes. We're doing a lot of really cool stuff as far as getting new uh, generated site stats on the site, on the player pages. So those will be... I mean, even cooler than they already are. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Blandalytics. So my last name, Bland, and then like the end of analytics. And I'm there. Uh, I'm frequently posting just some of these charts I'm talking about from the apps. So that's how you can find those. I think they're in my profile there. Um, engaging with other people. I 
generally like to, I probably do more retweeting than actual posting just because like I said, there's so much like so many cool people doing so much cool stuff and doing it publicly that I think that, that it's really cool. And I, I love kind of using what meager reach I have to help support and like show like, yeah, there's a lot of cool work going on. I'm taking notes from some of it. And like, there's just always like cool people always checking stuff out. So yeah, follow me at Blandalytics and hopefully that'll make your, your Twitter experience a little less of a dumpster fire. Um, yeah, I put out, uh, I'll be putting out articles on picture list regarding kind of what PLV is definitely breaking down, uh, the projections process, kind of what I'm working on. So doing a more formal overview and a write write up of what I discussed earlier, kind of of my process. So there'll be that. So you can always refer to that. And then, yeah, just check out picture list stuff. I'm contributing a lot of times on the back end, especially if there are some like interesting stats, maybe like some new ways of doing analysis that maybe you haven't heard of. Like a, a big one is uh, we have this, this cool like stolen base metric article by Adam Howe that's like measuring how often guys are on first and not in front of them and how many pitches they take before they steal and how sticky that is. And then we have like a stolen base expectation. So yeah, there's a lot of like really cool stuff. People are doing a lot of really interesting things. And even if it's not, you know, outright different stats that our writers are always folding in stuff I'm making, stuff we're talking about. So like I like to think that I have thumbprints on a lot of the stuff on the site. I have a feeling you do, especially as it keeps growing in this uh, new era of statistics and projections and everything else, which is the way of the world these days. So uh, you will have a big, big handprint on this situation. So, um, yeah, great stuff. If you guys have questions, again, check out Kyle on Twitter at Blandalytics and PitcherList.com. Obviously, has all the goodies there. But, Kyle, thanks for joining me, man. Long overdue having you on the show. And I look forward to chatting with you some other time. Yeah, awesome. Thanks again, Bubba. This is a blast. Yeah, can't wait to do it again. All right, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 618. Y'all have a happy holiday, Merry Christmas, whatever you choose to celebrate. And I'll catch you guys next time. See you.